0: For years, I've told you every single week how much I love you and appreciate you, and how awesome it is to stand and see your faces every week. But spending six months without seeing your faces has made me even more grateful for each and every one of you, and has reminded me just how special it is to spend Sunday morning together, to spend the beginning of our week together and yes I'm thankful for the the technology that allowed us to do that even uh, when we couldn't be together in person but I don't know about how your week was for the last six months but my week was really weird you know I spent I spent years kind of developing a workflow I think we probably all do that no matter what our work is no matter how our week goes we sort of know this is what I do on Sunday this is what I do on Monday this is what I do on Tuesday this is what I do on Wednesday and so forth and we we know this is how our week flows and this is what I need to do each day of the week, but during the six months, the past six months until three weeks ago, we started recording the Sunday morning service on Thursday so that it could all be put together and edited and look nice before it got broadcast on Sunday morning, and that way all of us that were part of the service could be with our families on Sunday morning and worship, but that meant Like, Thursday became my new Sunday, and then Sunday was unlike anything I had ever experienced before, because I sat on the couch and watched myself preach to myself, and, you know, it's just, everything was weird, and everything was mixed up, and my entire week, all of the workflows were sort of out the window, and my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, everything was sort of messed up. So, this series couldn't have come for me at a better time than to re-examine our 168, to re-examine the, the hours in our week and say, how are we spending those hours? And so over the last three weeks, we've talked about our week, our, our week, our 168 hours. And each week, we've gotten a new set of 168 hours, and they're a gift from God. And, and then we get to decide, how are we going to use those 168 hours? We talked about worship And how worship needs to be part of our 168 hours. Not just this one hour a week, but throughout the week, making time to sing and pray and reflect. We talked about how worship shapes the way we relate to God, obviously, but also to the world, creation, and to each other, and even to ourselves. And then we talked last week about how we spend so many hours of our week working And how that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And how in the Lord, your work really matters. But but today I want to talk about the fact that we can't spend all 168 hours doing. We can't spend all 168 hours doing. Some of those hours need to be spent resting in what has already been done. Right? Some of those hours need to be spent resting in what has already been done enjoying what has already been done enjoying the work that's already been done and so we we get to talk about rest this morning you may think that's a that's a fun subject I do that pretty well right I do rest really well but do you I don't know about you but I don't do rest really well in fact for me and maybe for many of you this subject is harder than the subject of working Some of us work better than we rest. Some of us, for some of us, the idea of resting well, resting in the way that God teaches us to rest is even harder than working the way God teaches us to work. I heard a story this week about a photographer, you know, a photographer that go to school and take pictures of the elementary school kids and do each one of their pictures and that'd be a tough job. I can't imagine doing that. And, and each one, he'd kind of try to ask them questions to, to help, you know, set them at ease and help them to be still. And so he asked this little girl, what are you going to be when you grow up? And she said, tired. <laughs> right? And I, is that the impression that we give kids? This is what adulthood is. Being tired, just being exhausted from one moment to the other. Is that the impression that our kids get about adulthood? That it's just exhausting, that we're tired all of the time. I saw this statistic this week. Only 14% of American adults set aside a day a week for rest. Only 14% of American adults set aside a day a week to say, this is my day to rest. And sadly, even when we stop working, even when we're not busy doing something externally, we're busy doing something internally, aren't we? We're thinking about what needs to be done. One time we were in Branson, Missouri, and we saw a guy do, like he had a whole stage full of spinning plates. You've seen acts like that where they have like a little pole and they spin a plate and then they run over here and they spin another plate and they run over here and they spin another plate. And I think so often in my life, that's the way life feels, doesn't it? Like, we're just trying to keep all the plates spinning. And even when we're sitting still externally on the inside, we're still thinking about all the plates that need to be spun, aren't we? And we're worried, well, what about this plate? And what about this plate? And what about this plate? And, and somehow we've convinced ourselves that just by thinking about it, somehow we're keeping them spinning, right? And if I can worry enough about it, or I can think enough about it, or I can solve those problems in my head, then, the, then everything will be okay. And we're just exhausted, because we're thinking so much about everything that needs to be done, convincing ourselves that somehow it's us that's keeping the world spinning. And it's us that by doing or by thinking about doing, by worrying about it, we're keeping everything from falling apart. And then there's these things, right? Then there's these things. And even when we're not doing something, these things tell us, oh, it's time to do something again. Here's something that you need to do. Get up. It's time to get up. Or it's time to go to bed. Or it's time to think about this. Or it's time to buy this. Or it's time to worry about that. Or it's time to be angry about this other thing. And they tell us when to get up and what to do and what to buy and where to go and what to think about and what we need to be angry about today. And we spend so much time doing Going and thinking about doing and going. In fact, this statistic might be even more disturbing. Only 12% of American adults say that they intentionally set aside a time of day. Not just a whole day, but a time of day. Even a time of day when they don't use electronic devices. How about you? Is there any time where you're actually resting? Where you're not spending mental energy or physical energy saying this is what needs to be done and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and if I stop even for a moment everything might fall apart and all of the plates will come crashing to the ground? Is there even a moment in your day, much less a whole day, that you say today is not a day for doing or this this set of hours is not a time for doing, it's a time for resting in what has already been done we said last week as we talked about work that the creation week is a work week and the reason it's laid out as a work week I'm convinced God could create the world and the universe and everything in it in as much or as little time as he wanted to right I mean God is God he could have done it however he wanted to but he chose to lay it out as a week and our week is supposed to model his week because we are supposed to model him we are supposed to reflect him. And so our work week, our week, our 168 is supposed to reflect the one we are supposed to reflect. And after God spent six days creating and organizing and separating light from darkness, day from night, land from water, plants and animals, and he spent six days doing, he spent a whole day resting in what had already been Done, resting in what he had done. And there's a word for that in Hebrew, it's Sabbath, right? Sabbath. He spent a day sabbathing. He spent a day resting in what had been done, ceasing from his work. Look at Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 1. We're going to skip around a little bit more than we typically do on a Sunday, but I think I want, I want you to see all of these things. Genesis 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. I like that word, finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Long before Moses ever gave the Ten Commandments or the law to the people, a day of rest was worked into, woven into the fabric of creation. It was part of the rhythm of the week that is part of the DNA of human beings, the need to stop doing and rest in what has already been done and God took this seventh day we call it Saturday right and God took this seventh day and he made it holy he made it holy holy means different unusual not the same as every other day every other day is a day for doing and it's good to be doing It's good to do things with God and for God, but there also needs to be a time that's not for doing, it's resting in what has already been done. So when I think about Sabbath, when I think about rest, some of the words that come to my mind are complete, accomplished, whole, filled, done, satisfied enough isn't that what genesis 2 verses 1 through 3 reflect god was done the week needs an ending point otherwise it just goes on indefinitely and we've convinced ourselves that that's reality we've convinced ourselves that there's always something that needs to be done and there can be but there can also be a point where you say enough I've done enough. Yes, there's more that could be done, but there's not any more that I'm going to do today. Today, or for this time period, I'm going to rest. I'm going to reflect into the world what God reflected into the world. If God, if God can say, enough, it's done, it's finished. Enough for this week, mission accomplished. We're done with this. We'll do more later, but right now, it's finished. Do we ever get to a point like that? Do we ever put down the phone and say, I've sent enough emails for today. I've sent enough texts. I've done enough. Now is time to rest in what has already been done. Look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse eight. Then it becomes a part of the law that that Moses gives to the people of Israel, that God gives to the people of Israel. And he says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse eight, part of the 10 commandments says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God made it holy, but God's people were supposed to keep it holy. And what's the opposite of keeping it holy? Defiling it. And how do you defile something that's holy? You defile something that's holy by treating it as ordinary, right? I always say that, you know, when I was a kid, I had sanctified clothes, right? They were my Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, you know, they were my Sunday clothes, And, and you couldn't treat those clothes like you did any other clothes. These aren't play clothes, they're not work clothes, they're church clothes. And, and I'd get in trouble if I played in the mud in those clothes, because those were sanctified clothes. They were set apart for a special purpose. And the Sabbath day was set apart for a special purpose. Not to do, but to rest in what has already been done. And they were told to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In fact, if you were to look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you'd see that more real estate is given to this commandment than to the other nine. Why? Is it because it's special? Yeah, I think it's special, but I also think it's because it's hard. It's hard to rest well, isn't it? It's hard to say, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do, I'm going to rest in what has already been done. We have this drive in us, and and I think there's part of it that's good, to do more and to achieve more and to have more and to be more. But rest says enough. And if you're constantly driven, you're you're living under a false impression about who you are and whose you are and what you're supposed to be accomplishing. You cannot be who God created you to be if you're always being driven to have more, to do more, to be more. Sometimes you have to rest in what has already been done. You have to trust that you're not the ones keeping the plate spinning in the first place, <laughs> right? You, you really think that you're the one keeping the, the plate spinning? Sometimes I do. I've convinced myself of that. And that's why even when I rest and I stop, I feel guilty and I think, what's falling apart while I'm sitting here? And God says, nothing, just stop. Trust me enough to rest. Some of the rabbis apparently believed that if there was ever a time, if there was ever a Sabbath day when all of the people of Israel really kept this commandment, if there was ever a day where all of the people finally, totally, completely rested, if there was ever a perfect Sabbath day, the Messiah would come back. And that's one of the reasons they were so dogmatic about making sure that nobody was doing any work on the Sabbath because they believed if we all just stop for one day, then the Messiah will come back. But we know better, don't we? We know that it wasn't, it wasn't man's perfect Sabbath keeping that brought the Messiah. It was the Messiah's perfect work that finally gave us the perfect Sabbath, right? It wasn't our perfect Sabbath keeping that brought the Messiah. It was the Messiah's perfect work that brought the perfect Sabbath. So in a, here's a big word, eschatological sense, in a big picture sense, like big picture, Jesus has brought the ultimate Sabbath. And that's why this is no longer a command. It's no longer the law. We're no longer under the law of Moses because we've entered into the perfect Sabbath already. And our whole life, our whole life is a Sabbath resting in what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so we've already entered into that rest in a big picture sense. But there's also another sense in which it's still really wise, really practical to say, you know what, it's not it's not my law. I'm not under the law of Moses. I've entered into the perfect Sabbath rest of Jesus, but I still need to devote some of my 168 hours to just breathing and just being and just resting in what has already been done. Look at Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. When Jesus was criticized for the fact that he and his apostles were walking through a field and picking grain and eating them as they walked on the Sabbath day, and people were like, ah, you're, you're harvesting on the Sabbath. And Jesus said this, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Rest is a gift. This is a gift. And somehow they, they turned it into the idea that they were supposed to serve the Sabbath. And Jesus says, no, you're not supposed to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is supposed to serve you. This was a gift from God. And when we set aside time in our day, in our week, we set aside some of those 168 hours to say, I will spend this time not doing, but resting in what has already been done, then we are accepting a gift from God. And saying, I trust you. We're receiving it. I mean, what kind of a, a person? You, you know what it's like to give somebody a gift and they look at it and they say, I don't know if I'd ever use that. I just, yeah, I don't like that very much. You're like, how kind of an ungrateful person are you? You don't say that about a gift somebody gives you. You appreciate it, you enjoy it, you receive it. And yet, when it comes to rest, look at how we treat it oh, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. I'm much too busy for that. I, there's no way I can make time to rest. No, stop. This is a gift from God. And accepting it means you trust him. I, I, can't, I can't talk about this without thinking about Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verses one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Do you, you really think that by your own power and strength you built that? Do you really think by your own power and strength that you're the one keeping all the plates spinning? Do you really think that? I do. I confess. Don't you? Sometimes we convince ourselves. It's us. We're the one pushing the boulder up the hill. We're the one keeping the world spinning. We're the one keeping all the plates in motion. We're the one doing all of these things. And the psalmist says, no, unless the Lord's working with you, you're just wasting your time. It's all in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Eating the bread of anxious toil. How many of us have eaten that? I've eaten plenty of that. How about you? Anxious toil. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep doing. I gotta, I gotta have more. I've gotta do more. I've gotta be more. I've gotta do this and I've gotta do this. And don't you know if I ever sit down and stop and stop worrying and stop thinking, the whole world's gonna fall apart. We can see that, can't we? Right now in our tension filled, anxious filled world. We honestly think by us worrying about the election, we're actually changing the way things are going to happen, right? Like, i got to worry about this. I've got to worry about what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that. Do you? What are you fixing by worrying all the time? What are you fixing by doing all the time? What are you fixing by, by striving all of the time? Don't we know this is a gift from God that says, I got this. And even when you're working and even when you're doing it's me that's working with you and beside you and for you. If you're working on your own, it's all in vain anyway. And so he says here, and I love this for he gives to his beloved sleep, sleep. It's a gift, it's a gift that God gives us. We're, We're not really accomplishing. When we're working, we're not accomplishing anything on our own. It's only by the power and the strength that God gives us. And when we rest, we're admitting that. We're admitting there is a God and I'm not him, right? I'm not God, but there is one and he loves me. And he gives me sleep and he gives me rest. I'm not saying all of this to you because I find it easy. I find it incredibly difficult. I'm saying this to you because I imagine that I'm not the only one. There's plenty of us eating the bread of anxious toil, and we have to learn to stop. We have to learn to say, "Enough. My work is important. My doing is important. My going is, a, is important. My wanting is important. All of the things I'm trying to achieve, they're important. But there comes a point where even God took a day to rest and he expects us to do the same. Work is not the antithesis of rest. These two things aren't at odds with each other. That's what we're saying in this whole series. Worship and work and rest are all partners in a balanced week, right? Work and rest are not at odds with each other. What's at odds with rest are things like worry and impatience and greed and pride. Rest is a rejection of these things. Rest is a rejection of pride. Rest is a rejection of greed. Rest is a rejection of worry to say, I trust my Father. We rest because we trust. We rest because we trust. We trust that with God, what has already been done is enough. Isn't that good? With God, what has been done is enough. And sometimes we need to just say that. It's been a busy week. And yes, there's more that could be done. But this isn't a time to do it. This is a time to rest in what has already been done. Sometimes we have to say, I have enough. I know our world says you've never had enough, right? If you turn on the TV, that's why TV sometimes, or social media or whatever, is at odds with Sabbath, is at odds with rest. And that's why if you're really gonna rest, you gotta turn off commercials because commercials are designed to make you anxious. They're designed to tell you you don't have enough. You need more you think your life is broken. Well, here's our product, right? You don't need it. <laughs> you don't need it. Sometimes you have to say, I have enough. I am enough. I've done enough. And yes, next week there'll be more to do, but right now I'm going to rest in what has already been done. That's what, that's what baptism is. Baptism. Baptism is a resting in and an entering into the Sabbath rest, the eternal Sabbath rest of Jesus to say, I trust in what has already been done. And then we need to work and weave that into our week as well where we spend time where we turn the phone off, we turn the TV off, and we stop doing and we rest in what has already been done. And all of us, I think, struggle with this and we have to help each other with this, don't we? And encourage each other. So in just a moment, we're gonna stand and sing a song, and and while we're singing, or afterwards when we dismiss, there's gonna be a couple of elders at the information desk, and this is an invitation to let us pray with you, let us help you, if you're ready to be baptized into Jesus, whatever need you might have. But, But as we go from here, let's all respond to the invitation because every week you have an invitation from God to work, yes, to worship, yes, and also to rest, and to rest in what has already been done. So if, while we sing this song, if we can help you, visit with the shepherds at the information desk, and as soon as this song is done, we'll, we'll close with a prayer. So let's stand and sing this final song.